Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Uh, today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners, and you can support the show on a one-time basis by mail to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. In addition, you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of The Silent Men. The original air date, May the 14th, 1952, and the title is Miracle Cure for Cancer. Douglas Fairbanks, Jr. in The Silent Men. National Broadcasting Company proudly presents Douglas Fairbanks' production of The Silent Men, transcribed stories of the undercover operations of the special agents of every branch of our federal government and their relentless fight against crime. Now here is Douglas Fairbanks. Many serious frauds have been perpetrated upon the American people through the criminal use of the United States mail. One of the most heartless and vicious of these crimes concerns the selling and distributing of the so-called miracle cures for deadly diseases. This story deals with such a criminal operation. The details were obtained from an investigator in Washington. And in it, I assume, his identity. Special Agent Jack O'Hara. The file case entitled, Miracle Cure, in which only the names and places are fictional. complaint came through channels from the post office of a little town called Pawnee in Arkansas. Through the mails, a victim of dread disease had been buying a strange white powder that was guaranteed to cure him. My instructions were to question the victim for more information. It was a weather-beaten old farmhouse, unpainted, poorly cared for. I knocked on the door. Come in. Should have answered the door. Didn't have the strength. You're Mrs. Higgins? Hope you're not here to sell me anything. No, I'm a government special agent, Mrs. Higgins. Jack O'Hara. About them powders we bought? The miracle cure? I'd like to talk to your husband, please. You're too late. For me, everything is too late. I realize his condition is, is hopeless, but he can help us catch the criminal who sent these powders. I doubt if Stan can help you with anything. He's dead. Oh, I... I'm very sorry to hear that. Buried him two days ago. You'll help me by answering a few questions? A hundred and fifty-five dollars we spent on that miracle cure left me to go and borrow for his funeral money. When did you get the first letter telling you about the cure? My husband come back from talking to Doc Finley in Pawnee. 
Doc said he was right sick and told him to go to the clinic in the city for treatment. Your husband didn't go? He couldn't. Where was he to get the money? Sell the farm? Who'd buy it? A couple of weeks later, we, we got the letter. Have you still got it? No. The letter was written by Mr. Jim Faxley. Said he'd heard about Sam's sickness and said he could help him. Asked us to send him $5 for a trial package. We did. Where did you send the money? A general delivery, Bakersville. Mm -hmm. Then we got the first package, and it did my husband right good. Made him feel fine. Then you got another letter asking for more money? A, a note with the first batch of the powders said he'd have to send us bigger doses and get $25 each for them. And that was the last letter you got from him, eh? Uh, we'd send him the money, and he'd send us the medicine. You know anybody else who's bought this medicine? Oh, I hope I never will. Mm, I think I'll go have a talk with Dr. Finley. He said it was cancer, but we didn't really believe him. Nobody does. Uh, well, I guess I'd better go now. And now my, my 13-year-old boy's out there plowing. There'll be no more schooling for him. No more. It was an hour's drive to Parnee, but I didn't mind. I needed the bright sunshine and the sweet country air to counterbalance the gloom and helplessness I'd found in Mrs. Higgins' shack. I reached Parnee and stopped my car in front of the post office. I walked down the street till I saw Dr. Finley's shingle stuck on the wall of the Kearns drugstore. Didn't seem to be any private entrance to the doctor's office, so I pushed open the door to the drugstore. Come in again if that don't work, ma'am. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, is Dr. Finley's office in this building? Ah, you're a northerner. You can tell by your clothes. You're that man they sent down from Washington. Heard you were in the district. I was looking for Dr. Finley. Government man hits a small town. That's news, mister. And uh, you're here to see the doc about them powders? Well, you seem to know all about it. A uh, pity. Crying pity, but that's the way it goes. His office is upstairs, door through the back room. How does a fellow keep any secrets around here? I'm beat before I start. That's what all of us have been saying. I sat on a hard chair in the doctor's outer office and read an almanac while he looked after a lady patient. After a half-hour wait, he ushered her to the steps and turned to me. He was an aging man, his shoulders bowed with the pain and weariness he was trying to save others. Yes? My name's Jack O'Hara. I'm with the government in Washington. I heard you were here. Come into my office. Yes, sir. Sit down, won't you? <sighs> Doctor, I've just come from Mrs. Higgins' place. Poor soul. You weren't aware that Mr. Higgins was using this so-called cure? Not at first. He had stopped calling on me, and I thought he'd gone to the clinic. I suppose I should have inquired, but I've been busy, so busy. I suppose I should hold myself responsible. No, I don't mean that at all. I, I'm just trying to find a point from which to start my investigation. You know what it means to the average farmer in this district to be told that he has to spend a year in the city taking treatments, borrow the money, or sell the land? Most of them can't borrow, and many of them won't sell their land. Exactly when did you find out about the powders? A few weeks ago. They'll clutch at anything, these people. 
Their lives are spent in looking for miracle formulas as relief from poverty or from disease. Mrs. Higgins told me you took some of the powders back with you. Uh, had the druggist analyze it for me. Shall I call him up? I'll see him on my way out. A narcotic derivative. Stimulant. Some aspirin. That's all it contained. Hmm. Well, I hope you still have some of the powder left. I'd like to send it to the lab for a detailed analysis. I gave it to Mr. Kearns. I'm sure he still have it. Ever run across anything like this before, Doctor? I don't think so. If it's an isolated case, a matter of one man being victimized, it's going to be almost impossible to trap him. I could inquire among the medical men in the neighboring towns. Mm, good idea. Get a list of anyone who's died from the disease in the last three years, and another one of any patient suffering from cancer now. Gladly. And doctor, not a word to anyone about what you're doing for me. Too many people know too much about this thing already. Eh, small town is like that, Mr. O'Hara. You'll say nothing and answer no questions? Aspirin. The man who sent that powder to Mr. Heaton deserved to, to die himself. That's just what we're looking for, doctor. A murderer. When I got back downstairs, the druggist was busy making up a prescription in the little room back of the store. Had uh, quite a talk with old Doc Finley, didn't you? Yeah, the doctor tells me you analyzed one of the powders, Mr. Kern. Uh, what they call a miracle cure? Yeah. I say it's a shame. I'd like that powder, please. Why, now I don't know if I can find it for you. Uh, my wife comes in to clean sometimes, and darn if I know where she puts anything. Well, I'll look for it. Maybe I'll find it. Yeah, you'd better. You should have known how important that would be in any investigation. I told the doc what was in it. Didn't he tell you? I wanted an analysis from our lab in Washington. Well, I'll sure look for it. It's in a little white envelope now. You wait just a minute here, and I'll look through some of this stuff. Mm. The ingredients in the powder, are they easily obtainable? Any drugstore has them. Any doctor, as far as that goes. Anybody. The doctor tells me there was a narcotic derivative in it. Uh, no use giving you the technical terms. Had some sickenol, benzedrine, and aspirin ground together with some chalk. Enough to deaden pain and give a man a feeling of energy. And darn city newspapers are full of ads saying that they'll cure this and cure that. You think Mr. Higgins answered some advertisement in a newspaper? Why, don't you? That's what everybody's saying. I see. Well, better be running along. Oh, uh, Mr. O'Hara. How'd you know my name? Why, uh... Oh, never mind. If you learn anything important, you let me know, eh? Yeah, sure thing. We'll call a special meeting in town hall. Much as I hated to admit it, even to myself, the talkative druggist had given me an idea. Search the newspaper ads for miracle cures. I figured I'd spend a couple of days at it, but the couple of days stretched out to nearly three weeks. By the time I was through, I'd made four side trips to neighboring cities and towns, interviewed five postal inspectors in other states. But nothing tied in with a cure Sam Higgins had bought. A few days later, I went back to see Mr. Adley, the man in charge of the post office in Bakersville, where Higgins had mailed his money. Uh, no, sir, I've been racking my brain since I saw you last. Still got no idea who picked up the mail Mrs. Higgins sent in. There's been no more mail for a Jim Faxley? Mm, not a letter. Ah. Been searching through every delivery. Newspapers, catalogs, everything. Ah, he may be using some other name. As long as it's general delivery, he can claim it on any name. We don't know who to look for. Here's what I want you to do from now on. I want a written description of everyone who picks up mail at your general delivery window. Now, how can I do that? Bakersville is the county seat, you know. We do a big business here. 
I don't know exactly how you're going to do it, but it's got to be done. Mm, I don't know. That's quite a job. Yeah. No matter what way you look at it, it's quite a job. Next day, I was back in Pawnee. I tried to slip through the drugstore on my way to Dr. Finley's office upstairs, but the Gabby pharmacist collared me. Oh, uh, oh Mr. O'Hara, I've been waiting for you near three weeks now. Uh, sorry, I've got no big news for you. Well, maybe not, but uh, I have for you. Uh-huh. I found that powder, uh, the powder Mr. Higgins got in the mail. Oh, wonderful. I got it back here in the prescription room. Uh, come on. Knew you figured it's pretty important, so I had the old lady come in and help me find it. Uh, here we are. Well, thanks very much. Dr. Finley in his office? Oh, he's out on a call. Be back soon. Go sit down for a while. Uh, been traveling around, I hear. Yeah. Even got as far as Little Rock. That's right. Operator on the main line says you've been taking... Oh, uh, there's the doc now. Uh, saved by the bell. Hello, doctor. Uh, glad to see you, Mr. O'Hara. We were beginning to think you'd given up and gone home. Oh, I'll be around for some time, I guess. You don't sound too optimistic. Frankly, I'm not. Can I talk to you in your office, Doctor? Uh, certainly. Hey, talk down here. Nobody will bother you. I'll bet. <laughs> Come on, Doctor, if you don't mind. I've never met a man with so much curiosity. Oh, he's <laughs> harmless. Takes the place of the 16th century town crier. <laughs> Sit down. Doctor, I'm getting nowhere. Fast. I knew it as soon as I saw you. Did you get the list of victims I asked you for? No, not yet. This thing has got me absolutely running around in circles. All I've been able to find is the one victim, Sam Higgins. And the source of supply is as much a mystery to me now as it was when I first got here three weeks ago. Well, doesn't that indicate that it might have been done by somebody in the district? Think back, Dr. Finley. Has any stranger ever asked you questions about Sam Higgins' illness? No. How soon could the local people have gotten to know? Well, there are no secrets in a small town, Mr. O'Hara. I've learned that. All right. There's only one thing to do. Get me the list I asked for, and I'll start tracking them down one by one. Those who've died of the disease, those who are ill with it now. And I'll start on it at once. But I'm afraid your end of it will take quite a while. If there's one thing a special agent's got that's expendable, it's time. Bakersville was the center of the area I was concentrating on. Around this hub, eight little towns formed a crooked circle. I made my weary round again, asking, searching, probing for a Jim Faxley who got mail under that name. No result. I returned to Bakersville. I was in bed in my hotel when the phone rang. Hello? Mr. O'Hara, this is Dr. Finley in Parnee. I hope I didn't awaken you. Oh, go ahead, Doctor. What is it? I've been trying to reach you all day. You got something for me? The names of seven families who've bought those powders in the past six years. Oh, good. Give them to me. Same operation in every detail. Typewritten letters offering to save their lives. The first sample at a cost of $5, and then the increase to $25. Fine. All of these letters signed by Jim Faxley? That's one of the things I don't understand. What? None of them are signed by Faxley. Huh. In each case, a different name was used. How about the post office? The money always sent to the same place? No, always to different post offices. Two of them were sent to Bakersville, where you are. Uh, for a minute, I thought we had something. Uh, I'm not through yet. Are you there, O'Hara? Yeah, I'm here. Well, I've got the names 
of a woman who is buying and using this quack cure right today. Now you're telling me something, Doc. Mrs. Adelaide Hobie over in Blaney. Know where that is? Oh, I'll find it. Well, guess that's about all. Hold on a minute. The names, the names of the seven families. Give them to me. I contacted four of the families from the list Dr. Finley had given me. At last, I had what I wanted. A pattern of operation of the person who was sending powder cures for cancer through the mail. True, he'd set up an elaborate system using different names and different post offices, but one thing I know for sure. It was somebody living in the hundred-mile circle, the center of which was Bakersville. I called on Mrs. Adelaide Hobie of Blaney, the lady who was currently buying and using the miracle cure. You, Mrs. Hobie? That's right. Who are you? I'm a special agent of the federal government. I'd like to talk to you. What do you want? This may take some time. May I come in? What truck you got with me? May I come in, please? All right. Come in. I understand you've been buying some medicine powders from out of town. Hmm? That's right. Who told you? Dr. Wolseley, I'll bet. Couldn't do nothing for me himself, but can't stand to see me getting well. You've been getting this through the mail? I have, if it's any business of yours. Making me feel better. That's all I care about. You've been sending him the money by mail? To Bakersville. Frank Smith, general delivery. Bakersville? That's what I said. How did you happen to hear about this medicine, Mrs. Hobie? Dr. Wolseley told me I'd better hurry up and get to the clinic... I about made up my mind to go when this letter came. Man said he could save my life if I'd send him five dollars. And it did. It saved my life. Have you got the letter? What if I have? I still don't see that it's any business of yours. It is, Mrs. Hobie. Believe me. Get me the letter, please. Here it is. Oh, thanks. Typewritten signature... Frank Smith. Huh. When's the last time you received some of this powder? Near four weeks ago. I'm expecting some more, and I'll be glad to see it when it comes. You sent in the money for it? Two weeks now, since I mailed it into Bakersville. Mrs. Hobie, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but this powder is a fake. It's made me feel good, and I'll go on buying. It's not medicine at all. It has some drug properties in it that makes you think you feel better for a while, but... Just don't you interfere with me, mister. You've been swindled, Mrs. Hobie. You'd better go and see your doctor as soon as you can. Pity you can't mind your own business. We'd both be the better off for it. Sad commentary on the progress of civilization, but I could not convince Mrs. Hobie that the white powder was a fake. That she was letting herself die without real medical aid. She refused to shake off the beliefs in sorcery and magic miracles her ancestors had planted in her blood. Back to Bakersville, I went as fast as I could. Mr. Adley, the postmaster there, was surprised to see me. Well, you still around? Yeah, I've been living the rural life. It looks like it agrees with you. Huh. A woman sent a letter here to Bakersville General Delivery about two weeks ago, addressed to a Mr. Frank Smith. 
That was after I asked you to get written descriptions of all people getting mail at your general delivery. Well, if he's been in, I'll have something on him for you. Keep all the names in this book. Now, let's see. Uh, Smith, uh, Frank, Smith, uh, no. No Smith here? There must be. Well, there isn't. Oh, and I think I know why. Uh, uh, come with me. Uh, the letter sounded familiar to me. I'd seen it quite a few times. Uh, here, here, here in the general delivery file. Uh, yeah, here it is. That man hasn't come in for it yet. That's it, all right. With Mrs. Hobie's $25 still in it. Uh, he must have been scared off. That's why it hasn't been picked up. Well, we'll fix that up. I'm going to unscare him. <laughs> I hope you know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't. I'm going to make him think I've given up. Gone back to Washington. Oh, and then what? Fix up a place for me to hide. Where? Here in your post office. I want to be here when he comes for that letter. Well, how about when you go back to your hotel at night? Uh, folks will know you're still around. I'm not going to go to a hotel at night. And nobody's going to know. Only you and the county sheriff. Ooh, right here? All the time? Sneak in an army cut sometime in the next couple of days. <laughs> Anything you say, Mr. O'Hara. But you're going to do without a lot of the comforts of home. Home? <laughs> What's that? I completed all my arrangements with Mr. Adley. These included a key to the back door of the post office and a one-plate burner on which to make myself some midnight coffee. Then I let the word get round that I was leaving the area. I had given up. I went back to Pawnee to say goodbye to Dr. Finley. I found him at the soda fountain in the drugstore. No luck, Mr. O'Hara? No. Nothing but blind alleys. I'm sorry to hear that. I had hoped. Yeah, so would I. Well, what are you two looking so solemn about? I've done all I can, Doctor. Indeed you have. You, uh, quitting, Mr. O'Hara? Yeah, pulling out tonight. Seems incredible that one man could confound all the law enforcement agencies in the country. Well, maybe they'll get him later. I'll be back if something more tangible comes up. But I've got to get a move on, Doctor. That leaves one with a feeling of futility. He's yeah. got his orders. What can he do? Yeah, I suppose so. When are you leaving? In a couple of hours. I have to write a few reports first. You're going to be driving your car at night? It's not a very smart thing to do. Well, can't help it. Got to get on another case as quick as I can. You be sure and drop in and say goodbye before you leave. Mr. O'Hara, I don't need to remind you how genuinely upset I am. I know. All I can say is better luck next time. Well, goodbye and thanks for your help. I spent the next couple of hours making loud noises about my impending departure. <laughs> Surprising how many people walked up to me in the lobby of the little hotel and gave me their goodbyes. More people than I thought Parney could boast of as citizens. It was about half past nine when I headed east out of Parney as though I was taking the main highway. But a few miles from town, I cut across a side road till I was on the road that led to Bakersville. At 2 a.m. and ten miles out of Bakersville, as I previously arranged, I met the county sheriff, Ed Furson. He hid my car in a garage on his farm. Then he drove me back to the Bakersville post office by way of the back alley. Uh, this is the darndest thing I ever heard of, hiding out in the post office. What time is it, Sheriff? Yeah, uh, quarter past four. Uh, well, it's getting light. I'd better get in there. Mm. And eat and sleep there. Uh-huh. No one to talk to at night. No lights on at night. That's right. Remember, not a word of this to anyone. 
Not even your deputies. And a plainclothesman spotted in the post office all the time, waiting for a signal from Adley. Have a car standing by at all times, in case there's a chase. And all this just to catch a guy selling some little old quack medicine. All this to catch a murderer, Sheriff. Quietly, I let myself into the back door of the Bakersville post office. In the dim light of a sulking dawn, I found the army cot that Postmaster Adley had set up for me. I stretched out and looked at my watch. 4.30. How many hours would I spend here before something happened? If it happened. I'd already spent seven weeks on this case. How many more to go? Hmm. At 8 o'clock, the postmaster came in. I got you some breakfast. Ah, I can use some, thanks. I wish I could have brought you something hot. Oh, I'll manage. You sleep all right? On this thing? <laughs> Takes a week to get used to it. Uh, I was thinking, good thing this is a one-man post office, isn't it? Might not work otherwise. Well, what time do you open your doors? Uh, in about five minutes. Why? This cut can be seen from your stamp wicket. We'd better fold it up and put it away, sir. Uh, yes, guess we'd better. If um, anybody asks for the Frank Smith letter... Cough twice, just like you're clearing your throat. That'll be enough. Okay. Now we've got another little job. Bring the Smith letter here. Uh, sure. Uh, what are you going to do with it? Mark the money and set it up for fingerprints. Oh, here you are. Say, how do you do that? Uh, you'll know in a minute. I took the $25 out of the envelope and marked it carefully. Then, as closely as I could, I duplicated Mrs. Hobie's handwriting on a new envelope. I sprinkled a fine gray powder over it, making sure I didn't touch it. Mr. Adley put it back in the slot. Now there'd be only two sets of prints on that envelope. The postmasters and whoever came to get it. Now I had nothing to do but wait. Two weeks had gone by. I was ready to call it off. No Frank Smith. But you can't sell greed short. And even the sum of $25 was enough to finally lure its quarry. It happened on the 17th day of my wait, about 11 o'clock in the morning. <coughs> I heard the double cough that was Adley's signal to me. Yes, yes, I do think I have something for a Smith. Uh, Frank Smith, did you say? I worked my way carefully along one side of the letter racks. Then I saw the customer for the letter. A woman. Oh, dear, I do hope it is. My husband and I are on a motor trip, and we were so sure we'd be here ages ago. Yes, yes. Here it is. Uh, Frank Smith. My husband. Uh, here it is. Thank you very much. It's from the children. It just seems ages since we heard from them. The postmaster gave the sheriff's deputy the nod, and I saw him follow her out of the door. The big play was on. I was back in business again. Ten minutes later, I sat in the sheriff's car about 50 yards from the Bakersville drugstore. Mm, having yourself a cup of coffee in the drugstore, just as calm as can be. Here she comes out of the door. Mm, shall I follow her? Well, let's see where she's going first. Yeah, she's getting in that car in front of the store. Start it up. We'll get the license number. There she goes. Didn't even look this way. Let's go. She's moving pretty fast. Heading for the highway. We could pick her up now. Let's find out where she's going. Maybe someone else mixed up in this with her. I think I'll get ahead of her. You keep her in sight out of the back window. She'll never know she's being followed that way. Okay, let's go. 
For an hour, she stayed behind us on the highway out of Bakersville. Then she turned off the highway towards a little group of buildings I knew quite well. Pawnee, Arkansas. We doubled back and went down the main street of Pawnee. For a minute, I thought we'd lost her. Then I saw her car parked in front of Mr. Kern's drugstore. I asked the sheriff to stop his car. Yeah, she sure's got a weakness for drugstores. You walk over and see what she's doing inside. Sure. What's the matter? Can't spot her in there. Well, let's both take a look. Kearns doesn't seem to be around either. Uh, hey, I think I see them both. They're in the back room. Uh, there, you see them? Come around the back. There's a window there. Good thing the window's open. Quiet. Well, my dear, did you have a nice trip? Nice and uneventful, if that's what you mean. Well, then we're back in business. Only this time we're expanding. Oh, tell me more. It just fixed us up a cure for polio, too. Oh, a genius. I'm married to a genius. Looks like we've got ourselves a pinch to make. A double header, Sheriff. Let's go. This is Douglas Fairbanks again. The apprehension of Mr. and Mrs. Kern's vicious activity put an end to one type of fraud through the mails and closes another chapter in the distinguished chronicle of our silent men. The special agents of all branches of our federal government who daily risk their lives to protect the lives of all of us. Next week, we will tell you a story involving a daring attempt to destroy the Atlantic fleet in a file case entitled Sabotage. Another venture undertaken for our protection by the silent men. The Silent Men is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. The Case of the Miracle Cure was written by Lewis and Russoff and transcribed in Hollywood. Only the names and places were fictional. Featured in tonight's cast were Jan Arvan, Ralph Moody, Noreen Gamil, Dallas McKinnon, and Gloria Ann Simpson. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Douglas Fairbanks is currently presenting Betty Davis, Gary Merrill, and Emlyn Williams in the motion picture Another Man's Poison. Listen again next week and every week to other exciting cases involving the law enforcement adventures of the special agents of our federal government. For they are the silent men. This is an appeal. An appeal to you as a driver to help keep this year's traffic accident rate as low as possible. Stay within the speed limit. Better late than never may be a tired old saying, but it's also good common sense. Be alert and careful every moment you're behind the wheel. Remember, it's your life that's at stake. You can't afford to be careless. The life you save may be your own. Follow the campaign of the next president on NBC. Welcome back. Well, I thought it was a nice change of pace. I love all of the Cold War adventures that we've been getting on The Silent Men. Uh, but I think focusing on an investigation like this is probably more in the spirit of where the series, you know, the premise of the series. You know, we have so many cases that on here that end with, you know, exotic locations. Having something where he's going through rural America investigating a case of mail fraud, that is really a, a sort of story that's not told 
on a lot of other series, and it's definitely an interesting investigation. Of course, the subject of people profiting off of uh, fake medicine and useless treatments is one of those phenomena that could really be a sort of rip-from-the-headlines situation. You know, the tools that have been used have just been uh, modernized. And it's not, you know, certainly not just a rural problem. I don't think it ever was. This episode does seem to imply that a little bit with his comment on that one lady being unable to break free from the superstitions that were taught to her by her ancestors. There are and were, you know, these sort of scams in some of the biggest cities in the country. So that part was a bit iffy. Other than that, I thought it was a fun episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And now I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Ashika, Patreon supporter since September of 2020. Currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level at $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Ashika. And that will do it for today. A reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. Tomorrow, we'll be bringing you an episode of Public Domain Video Theater, which will be an episode of the 1954 Sherlock Holmes TV series. And then we'll be back on Monday with Casey Crime Photographer. On Tuesday, be sure and listen for a previously uncirculated episode of The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. And then on Thursday, be sure and listen for a previously uncirculated episode of Sherlock Holmes. And then we'll be back next Saturday with another episode of The Silent Men. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And remember Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Grant, signing off.